All right, Heather. A, B, C, D, or E? I forgot it was my turn. Um, hmm. Man. Okay, I'm going to do... We'll go with E. Okay, E. So then who is your nominee for the Council of Good? So I want to nominate Dulé Hill, if you guys know who that is. Um, That is Gus from Psych. Yes. Jess, you know who that is? Yeah, okay. So I see him because I was reading this article last week about um, whatever agency he signed with, I guess, was doing like a big congrats of some like big people they just got on board and they were essentially all white. <laughs> and um, he kind of just said, like, in a nice way, pretty much like, oh, that's really great. But, you know, please don't forget to honor and represent your black clients as well kind of thing. But kind of said it in a nice way, but really still kind of called them out to make sure that they weren't only, like, putting forth the white stars, which I thought was kind of cool of him to do. And also, so I would say maybe three or four years back, um, you know, when Cameo got really big, that app where you can like ask somebody to like do a video for you. So I had him do one for my friend because she's a huge fan. And basically you can choose. I don't know if you guys have been on it, but like you can choose what kind of like message you want. If it's like a birthday message or like a congrats or I think one of the options was like, what was it? Um, like pep talk or something like that. <laughs> and so I chose pep talk because she was finishing studying for a test. And I was like, yeah, just do like, you know, a funny thing that like Gus would say I'm from psych and just like do a funny message. And so he sent it back pretty much like within like four hours. I got one back from him and it was five minutes long. <laughs> It was the longest thing. And I was like expecting maybe like a one minute, you know, just like real general thing. But he went off on like this long, like inspirational speech. And like it was just the coolest thing. And he was very personable and seemed very genuine in it. And I don't know. He just has a very cool, like genuine vibe about him. And um, he just seemed like a very respectful person. So, yeah, I'm choosing him. As far as being the guy that's a downer with these, uh, as far as I know, I don't know of any negative things about him. I haven't heard any negative stories or anything like that. So that's a plus. And the same here. I don't know much about him, but the little I have heard has been positive. Um, I have no, I would have no reason to vote against him for anything. And he's good on that show. The little I've seen of that show, he's very good on that show. Yeah. And he was good in West Wing. He was good in Suits. He was good in Wonder Years. Yeah. Wonder Years and the remake of the Wonder Years. Mm -hmm. You know, Ballers. Yeah. He's been good in pretty much everything I've seen him in. So, yeah, yeah. And it just seems like anybody who talks about working with him just always says like he's a really 
just nice guy, you know, but um, I don't know. I think just that personal story of like how much effort he put into the thing that I asked for, plus him being like, hey, guys, don't forget about your your black clients. Like, I just thought that was really cool of him, even though that's his agency that's like got him. He still like didn't shy away from saying the thing he wanted to say. So I thought that was kind of cool. No, I'll do it. Um, yeah. Yeah, we can put that up for a vote. All right, Justin, what's your vote? I am for it. Heather? Yeah, definitely. I'll third it. Let's do it. He's in there. Yay. We really should keep track of this list, though. <laughs> yeah. I think I did actually start writing them down. Well. I think. If not, I will now. In a future episode, I'm going to touch bases with you to figure out who the fuck is actually still in this council. Because I don't even know. So. We just need to keep. Apparently I did not, but. Well, way to go. You got my hopes up. (laughs) I think I had the thought to do it and I just never did, but I will. I will. Yeah, because those are the same thing. I think about doing lots of things. You know, I think about trying to be more financially responsible all the time. You know what? I'm not financially responsible. And apparently you don't get credit for thinking about it. (laughs) Best laid plans. I know, I know. My bank account does not get bigger because I think about being financially responsible. So... Just throwing that out there. Man, I wish it did. I know, I right? Did. If just the sheer amount of times I thought about saving money, oh my God, I'd have so much. And then I don't, because I never actually do the whole saving money thing. Just spend it. But like, I don't know if like anybody out there is like me. Do you ever sometimes get like towards like, like the day before your next paycheck? And you actually have some money still in your bank account. So you're just like, fuck it. What can I blow the remainder of this money on real quick? Because I get paid tomorrow. <laughs> I do it all the time. I have been there before. I've been there before. I'll do it. And I'll be like, oh, I'm just going to go eat somewhere like by myself and just get a stupid amount of food. And tip the waitress all fat because fuck it. I get paid tomorrow. <laughs> You know, when I could easily just eat something I have at home and put that money in my savings account. Which is just desperately trying to keep its name of a savings account. So. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, but you don't want to be on the other end of that either, where you just never spend money and then you just don't enjoy your life. So got to balance it. Yeah, but. God, I got to put something aside. Jeez. <laughs> Anyway, you know what didn't break the bank, but it's still high quality? This song. Slayer, 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 Slayer. Hey, 
Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we will be talking about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the new A24 movie, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. We will go spoiler-free and then into recommendations and scores, followed up by a spoiler-free section. It's not how I typically say it, and I realized that halfway through saying it. Into a more spoiler-centric section is what I should have said, because it's a tongue twister. And I said spoiler. I don't even remember what the fuck I said anymore. I don't know. Anyway, we go to a spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around if you so require. And that applies to both the podcast and the YouTube. So, you can do whatever. With all that, uh, Heather, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about Bodies, bodies, bodies. <laughs> um, well, I do think that it's probably um one of the better A24 horror films that I've seen in a while. Um, it was it was a very interesting concept, and it was I think they did some things right with it that were really interesting and made you think, but I think some of it was really um could have been executed differently or better maybe but i i like the essentially simplistic concept of what the movie was um it didn't need to have you know a whole lot of theatrics necessarily as far as you know what they're showing you and things like that and i think the underlying story of it and how that unfolds is done pretty well um I think that there was some things lacking as far as explaining a few things a little bit better in the movie, but overall, I, I think it was interesting. Um, I think the performances were good. I think that they were very realistic for the age group. These people were playing and supposed to be in and thinking about, you know, today's age and the things that are important to people and things that (laughs) they actually care about and will you know get up in arms about or whatever and just the way that it talks about sort of in a sense the lack of communication between people these days unless it's you know social media or something important you know it just feels very um I guess relevant in that way which I think was the point of it I think that a lot of the decisions made in this movie are very bad decisions but i think that that's on purpose because of the context of what the movie is and it was creative and it was amusing to see it all play out the way it did i think it's a little predictable in some places but i think the way that they actually um unfold conversations between some of the characters is done really well and i think that was probably the best part of this movie and it's just a lot of um tension and um i guess build up to figuring out what's going to happen you know who's going to die who's not going to die things like that you know that you're trying to figure out along the way it's more that um suspense of wanting to know what's going to happen and it's just like very suspenseful all the way through because it's a very dark movie you know, lights are out for most of the movie. So you don't really get a full view of what's 
you know, going on. So you're kind of in the dark with them in a sense, which was done really well, too. So I think they did most of the elements right with it, but it wasn't enough to really make it like a great film necessarily, but it was a fine film. And I think, yeah, as far as what A24 has done lately with horror films, it's probably up there for me as a better one. Justin, what about you? Yeah. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Would a sequel to this be bodies, 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 or bodies, <laughs> bodies, 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 bodies? Now that's a question for you. Um, ponder on that. Mm. Um, <laughs> but no, as far as this one is concerned, um, it was interesting. Probably one of the more enjoyable whodunit movies that I've probably seen maybe since what Knives Out like if Knives Out is like peak whodunit this is definitely not in the stratosphere of that but probably a a couple of tears down you'll find something like this you know this was to me enjoyable enough respectable enough as like a little horror whodunit um well, I don't know if the characters or the lines or the writing is memorable enough to be rewatchable. This really, I guess coming out of this, it really felt like one of those movies where the most enjoyment you will probably get out of it is the first time you watch it. That That's honestly what it felt like to me. I don't, this is kind of one where I don't see too many reasons to revisit it. But for the first time and the first experience, you not knowing how the story is going to wind up and where the characters are, are going and who's the murderer, who did what, this, that, and the other. As as the plot's going along and you're trying to answer all those questions and stuff like that, I did find most of it intriguing. I thought it did do, it did a pretty good job of building tension between the characters and different things like that. Um, and, you know, overall, I thought the story was decent enough by the time you get to the end and have the resolution and everything. I found it amusing. Um, who knows if that was supposed to be <laughs> what what you were supposed to find it or, you know, I, but but I think that that was about what they were going for. It was kind of ironic and amusing in a way. So I think overall it did what it needed to do. This is very, a very inexpensive movie. Everything takes place in, in one venue. You know, this is, it's young and vibrant because that's what the cast is. This really feels like just one of those where th this is kind of meant to do exactly what I said. Like you go one time, it's a nice, fun little popcorn hour and a half, you know, probably forgettable good time. And that's it. And maybe that's enough. You know, maybe that's fine. Um, so, you know, I think that that's the best I can say about it. Like, it's just a it, it was just a, a little entertaining movie. Um the characters were, the acting was good enough 
to where even though I didn't know much about these characters, which is probably a knock against it, you know, there there wasn't enough. Of, you didn't know enough about them to overly care about them. But I think that the acting and the way it was done and sort of the situational horror that they're put in and the entire whodunit situation was compelling enough to where I followed it through to the end. And I agree, Heather. I think that there were some decisions that probably could have been better. And then there were some where I felt like it was done well enough to make you think maybe it was this character, maybe it was that character. You know, you go back and forth like the characters do wondering who is the killer here. So I think that that overall, it was effective. Didn't like everything. Not every line was effective. Not every reaction I thought was a good one. But overall, I think it got where the story needed to go. So, yeah, I I think I fall about in a similar place as you. It's a respectable movie. It was it it was fine. Uh, Overall, I was entertained. But this doesn't have the ingredients or the star power or anything like that to be sort of what Knives Out was. So it just is something that's just more or less a whodunit that's going to be several tiers below something like that. Yeah, this movie is a like a one-watch wonder. I'm yeah. never going to watch it again. But it was, I mean, yeah, it, was that's a, fair. it was a fine enough time. I mean, it could have made worse decisions than it did. I think that's a slight credit to the movie. It could have made worse choices. It made, it made okay choices. Um, To me, the saddest thing about this movie is somehow it was better than One Night in Soho. Like, and it shouldn't have been. Wasn't that the name of that movie? That Edgar Wright, wasn't it One Night in Soho? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This movie shouldn't have been better than that. This movie has no right to be better than that. This movie made the right decision at the end. One Night in Soho did not. You know. And, you know, I'll give it credit for that. I mean, I, I want to comment on the acting performances. I, I don't know. I don't know if they were good or bad. They were there. They acted. People acted. So I'll give them that. You know, some lines were said. You know, some cameras were rolling. You know. Some things were lit. Some things were not lit. You know, I'll, I'll give the cinematographer credit for this. For as dark as this movie is, visually speaking, it's not so dark you don't you you completely get lost. A lot of movies that end up with a very dark tonality to them, visually speaking, sometimes just get kind of blah. You kind of get a little lost in it because you can't always see what's going on. You know, this they did a good enough job of even with low light, you know giving you enough ambient light and, you know, some stuff like that to, to make it visually still work, you know, and I'll, I'll give it credit for that. Uh, 
and I mean, maybe it's a generational thing, you know, because these characters are of a younger generation. But fuck, they made some dumb choices. But then at the same time, I mean, not to say the generation below us is dumb or anything like that. It's just younger people will always have a different reaction than older people. You know, when we were in our 20s, like early 20s, we probably would have made the same stupid choices, too. So I'm not trying to give us any sort of immunity or anything like that. It's just when you're in your early 20s, you make different decisions than you do in your 30s. That's all I'm trying to say. You know, so, yeah, they made some dumb choices. But like I said, maybe when I was 21, 20, you know, three, fuck, I would have made dumb choices, too. So. You know, maybe as a slightly over, older person now, maybe I can't completely connect back to that mentality. That was a long fucking time ago. I've drank a lot since then. Weirdly enough, didn't drink that much then. But I, I do now. My memory is not as, as good as it once was. But... I mean, it was just, it was like a little fun time. And I, I didn't even think about it yet, Justin, until you said it. Yeah. I'm never going to watch this movie again. Just never. But I don't hate the time I spent watching it. It's also because it's that sweet, sweet 99 minutes long. Ooh, so good. Yeah. This one definitely didn't need more than that to tell the story it was telling. Mm-mm. Yeah, you definitely don't regret spending your time. And like I said, it was fun. It's like that roller coaster ride. It's like, ah, huh. Okay, that was neat. May not ever ride it again, but, you know, I could tell somebody I rode it. You know, I, this is just one of those we could be like, yeah, you know, sure. Oh, you're going you gonna to rent that movie? Be my guest. Cool. <laughs> You I know? won't say no. Yeah. I'm not going to say no, but yeah, it's just one of those. It works so well the first time. And then I don't, I just don't know how it works after that. You know, it doesn't have the lines like something like knobs out. It doesn't have those kinds of performances. It doesn't have those rewatchability elements to it. It only works when you don't know what's going to happen. And beyond that, that's it. See, and that's a weird problem that plagues whodunits. You know? Yeah. There are essentially three types of whodunits. There's the classics where the characters are so good. The performances are so good. The twist is so good that even when you know it's coming, you want to see it again. That's a knife out. That's a knives out. Like mm-hmm. knives that out. Movie's so rewatchable. Yeah. Yeah. And even when you know what the twist is, you can still fucking watch that movie because everything about it is just electricity. Yeah. And then you have your second tier whodunits, which is something like this, which is fine. You watch it. You're like, oh, okay. And you just never watch it again. Or if you do, it's because somebody rents the movie or somebody's like, hey, I've never seen this. Do you want to watch it? And you go, I guess. You know, but that's it. You're just like, that's the only time you rewatch it. You're not going, oh my God, I need to watch this movie again. You're, you'll just reluctantly rewatch it if somebody else has not seen it before. And you happen right. to be stuck in the scenario. 
And see, I'm a fan of like, I, I enjoy like when I'm watching something with somebody that they haven't seen it before, but I have, I enjoy what that, like watching their reactions to things like that. So this is one of those that would be an interesting, fun watching other people who haven't seen it and their reaction to it. That's the, you're right. I think that's the only time I would say, yeah, I'll rewatch it, you know, but, um, for myself, I don't, I don't really need that, but I just, I enjoy sometimes like seeing and hearing about other people's reactions to movies like this. I get that, but this movie, I don't know. I'd much rather just go, Oh, you watched it. You want to talk about it. I don't know if I'd want to see it again. I'd be like, Oh, just let me know what you think after you watch it. Yeah. Okay. It might be what I kind of feel with this one, you know, knives out. I'm kind of totally with you. You know, (laughs) I'm like, I want to watch you watch what's about to happen. Yeah, totally. But like this movie, I just, yeah, I'd much, I'd feel much more at home talking about it afterwards. But then there's that that third tier of whodunits that just suck. Just, they're just bad. (laughs) Yeah. They, they either give away the ending way too early. The ending doesn't line up with the rest of the movie or you just, you know, you're just, you're so uninterested in the mystery that you don't care about the ending. I think they, they, those are all the equivalent, you know, because ultimately in the end, it's a bad whodunit experience. You just don't care, you know, and that, that was one night in Soho. Like it was going mm-hmm. good. And then it just goes, Hey, you know, this ending it's going to make no fucking sense. And you just go, oh, yeah, when the payoff isn't worth it. So that's the whodunit's ruined and you just go, oh, I don't care. You know, it's it's just it's just a, a bad experience in the end. You know, and I think that that's just kind of how who, like these whodunit movies work. They just all end up in one of those three tiers, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like some of the, the whodunits, like there are some stories I've seen told in different ways so many times I still keep going back. Murder, uh, murder on the Orient Express is one of them. Yeah, I've seen the fucking PBS Perot, you know, masterpiece classic of it. I've seen the fucking nineteen seventies movie of it. I've seen, you know, the newest Kenneth Branagh version of it. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll keep going back to a version of the Murder on the Orient Express because I think yeah, it's fantastic. Tough. Death on the Nile, on the other hand, I can. To me, it's like that middle tier. I've only seen like two versions of that. One of them being one of the newest ones. And fuck that movie is just, you know, the problem with that movie is the fucking people in it. Cause they're a distraction yeah. to the movie, you know, mm-hmm. spoiler alert for murder on the Orient express. Cause it's not really a spoiler. The Kenneth Branagh version, Johnny Depp is the guy that gets murdered. It's not like really a big spoiler because that's actually the the murder on the Orient Express. You know, a murder's coming based on the title, not ruining shit by telling you who it was. It's kind of, you know, has to happen because that's the investigation. So that movie kind of makes up for, you know, me being low on Johnny Depp because I'm like, "Eh, he's the one that gets murdered, though. So that's fine. (laughs) You know, but then you get into fucking death on the Nile and you've got. Gal Gadot, fresh off that bullshit Imagine video she did at the beginning of COVID, 
and fresh off that weak ass Wonder Woman two bullshit. You've got Ar- uh, Arnie Hammer coming fresh off. Oh, he's a sexual abuser, impossible cannibal. And you've got Letitia Wright coming right off the headlines of possibly getting Black Panther two shut down multiple times because she refuses to get vaccinated. Because, you know, you have to do your own research because I forgot she's a clinical fucking scientist. Yeah, it's Honestly, a fucking hard that, movie to watch. Especially like especially with Army Hammer and like knowing about him, like anytime he was interacting with anybody, I'm like cringing. Yeah. <laughs> this is not this is not entertaining. This is not like sexy. This is nothing. This is just really cringy. <laughs> like anytime he was doing the heartthrob like guy shit, I'm just like all I could think is, you want to eat them, don't you? You yeah, sick son of a bitch. Like, there's like one scene when he's with Gal Gadot or whatever. This isn't really spoilers, but you know, like it, and he's just like, they're making out and they're whatever about to do other things. And I'm just like, ew, ew, this is gross. Like get away from him. <laughs> what Heather was trying to say in her nice little innocent way is this was about to fuck. <laughs> like she says, yes. they're about to do other things. This was about to fuck. You could use other terms too, Heather. You could be, you could say they were about to knock boots, or That's just point at the screen, and I'll just say the word <laughs> "fuck" never for in my you. Life said that, <laughs> or they were christening the yak. He was about to christen the yak. All right, Justin. Well, we all know what I'm saying, so I think we're good. <laughs> hold on. Have you no, looked whoa, whoa. up hold the on. list of things hold you can on. say that mean having on. sex? Hold on. Uh, no, I hold have on. not ever done that. You're both still talking. Hold on. You're bearing the lead here. What the fuck is christening the yak? <laughs> I have heard so many euphemisms for sex. I have said a lot of them. I have thought a lot of them. I have done a lot of them. I have never christened the fucking yak. And you two both just tried to move the fuck on. Like, that's not what he just said. <laughs> I am severely disturbed by both of you. The fact that you did not both stop after that was said and say, what? <laughs> I thought you heard of it, Stud. I figured, oh, Kristen in the yak. Of course he's heard of it. Jasted. Name one other time a human being has ever fucking said that. For the love of God, please tell me that's just a Jastinism. That's no, not a real thing. No, there's a list of some friends and I can attest to this. Uh, David, these are people you wouldn't know, but there's a, there are, there are some friends. Sometimes they listen to this. So I'll say their names, David Collins, uh, Ryan. Some of them know this, but one day we, I don't know how we got on this conversation, but we were looking up. This is a real goddamn thing. And christening the yak was there. And it was, that was so freaking strange. We remembered it. So of a male, I was waiting on a day I could use it. And that day is that day has come of a male to penetrate slash copulate with a female. See copulation for synonyms. (laughs) I mean, I was still stuck on Jass and telling me that I should have said knocking boots as if like that would naturally come out of my mouth. 
<laughs> it would have been so funny if you said it, though. Yeah, right. That's Harvey true. Hibbert it would have about to knock boots. Knock boots, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's infinitely more natural, though, than Chris and the Yak. Imagine if Heather said that though. Just imagine we were sitting there and she went, Yeah, Army Hammer and her were about to christen the yak. And I was just <laughs> thinking, Oh, that's so gross. Just imagine, just imagine if she said it though. It would have been the funny exactly thing is, what I wouldn't have reacted at all. I would have went, I know what that means. I would have just shook my head and Sterling would have been like, Wait, Heather, wait a second. Exactly what he did to you only like three seconds earlier. Yeah. I will say this. The next time I proposition someone for sexual intercourse, I will say, hey, what would you think about christening the yak? (laughs) Please do it. Oh, I will. It'll be hard to resist. Yes. Let us know how that goes. I might just come on before some episode and hey, guys, and go, hey. Christening the yak works. <laughs> <laughs> I said it and then I did it. So we'll see. I'll keep I'll keep all the Cine fans out there posted about whether or not christening the yak works. I'm still God, very disappointed that both of you blew the fuck past it though. And I tried it to stop fun. you. I tried to get us back to what was important. And you you just kept trying to go on. I threw it out there hoping to get a reaction. But, but she kept going, so I just kept going too. I'm glad I got one out of you. <laughs> there was just a lot to unpack there. And I'm just so innocent of mind. Like, maybe it was a common term that I just didn't know. You know, so I just moved past it. Uh, yeah, uh, you're like there's a lot to unpack and to you the weirdest one was knocking boots this man said perform a christening ceremony on a beast of burden actually you should probably word it that way next time you proposition somebody you have to work your way up to that you can't just throw that out there <laughs> no it but, yeah it just it floored all of us we were like how in the world is christening the yak a term for that how did we how did that even happen and we just couldn't believe it so but hey it's memorable you never forget that it's first something time hear it jesus anyway but I get what Heather's saying, because right before they were about to knock boots, as Justin would have liked Heather to say. I'm sitting there watching them, and I thought, that, I'm like, he wants to bite her lips off and eat them. Right. It just ruined all, all chemistry for anything. Yeah. So it becomes a very distracting movie. So it once again kind of falls into one of those lower tiers, because you don't end up caring about the mystery. Like, there's just all this other shit happening with these actors that you just know. And every time you see them on, like, on the screen, you're just thinking of all the dumb shit they do. Yeah, and it distracts you and you, you know, you, you don't give a fuck about the mystery. But like I said, once again, Murder on the Orient Express, on the other hand, I would love it. It's because it's a quality mystery story. You know, 
Agatha Christie nailed that story. It's one of the best. There's a reason why it's been made so many fucking times. Because it's a great fucking mystery story. And, you know, like I said, with bodies, 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 it at least is in that second tier. I'm not angry that I watched this movie. I'm fine with it. I'm like, okay, I watched this movie. I'm just never going to watch it again. But Knives Out, on the other hand, I'll probably watch that this weekend. Yeah. But, you know, it was a good time, I suppose. Uh, recommendations and scores? Yeah. Yeah. Recommendations and scores. Uh, Justin, go. Yeah, I, I think it was good enough on the first time to recommend it, honestly. I think it was pretty fun. I think if you go and watch this, it'll be fun. And it's one of those where kind of like what you guys were saying, it, I agree with Heather in that this probably would be fun to watch with somebody who doesn't know what's going to happen after you've seen it. So you, it, it, so there's probably some rewatchability in that way. But to me, ultimately, this mostly feels like what you were saying, Sterling. It's a conversation piece. To me, this is like when that person you know at work comes in and goes, hey, I saw bodies, bodies, bodies. And you're like, oh, you did? That was crazy, huh? What happened? Yeah, it was. And then they walk to their office or cubicle or whatever. And that might be about how the conversation goes. I just don't imagine you talking long about it. This is just kind of one where you're like, oh, you saw it? Yeah, yeah, man. I was, uh, And then it's over. And, you know, there are a lot of movies like that. You know, there are a lot of movies where that is the extent of the conversation you're going to have about them. It is enjoyable enough to, you know, to, to have to, for that first time to be like, all right, cool. And I, I don't know. I think that you'd be you'd be doing, you know, you could do worse than this if you spent money and saw it and, you know, you went with a couple of people, had a good time watching it, laughed at some of the characters, ha ha, look what they said, this, then, the other. You know, I could see people going to this one time and being like, all right, that was kind of fun. What do you want to do now? You know, that's kind of what this is. So I think it was good enough to where I can recommend it. It's not bad enough to not recommend it. So with that being said, um, we'll go with. Eh, uh, I'll give it a straight 70. We'll, we'll go with 70. Um, 70 very um, ironic and question answering TikTok videos out of 100. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I think um, it's a passable movie. Yeah, I I agree with the whole it's not one to rewatch over and over, but it's, you know, it's a fine watch for for the time that you do watch it. I think it's interesting all the different types of movies that we are comparing this one to, though. 
like Justin mentioned, um, what was the one you mentioned? Uh, Knives Out. Knives Out. Mm-hmm. Knives yeah. Out. And then um, there was another one that you mentioned that was similar to it. But um, it's just it's interesting because I don't know. It's almost it's almost on that psychological thriller aspect that A24 does with their like horror movies. Um, It has that element to it. And um, I think if and not really to compare it to this movie but I would say, like, for example, like you have your get out, right, where it's it's so smartly done to where like every move, every single thing that they do is thought out so meticulously. That's what makes that movie so memorable. And that didn't have a lot of big name people in it either. You know, it didn't have a lot of star power behind it at the time, you know, um, but just how well that story was told. And how hauntingly beautiful everything unfolds with that. That's what makes it such a great and memorable psychological thriller horror film. You know, with this one, it doesn't quite have that. It doesn't quite have that brilliant genius. Everything has a purpose type of thing about it. And that's fine because with a movie like this, you don't really need that for it to be enjoyable. Because like we've all said, you know, it's still a good, it's a decent movie. Um, but that's sort of what sets apart, you know, like a get out or a movie like that from this type of movie. Um, and I will say, you know, again, as far as the A24 horror films go, I'm probably forgetting a few, but I would say probably the only one I would say I do like more than this one that I can think of is Hereditary. I know, Sterling, I won't get you started on it, but <laughs> for me, Hereditary was better than this, but I like this better than Midsummer. Um, I liked this better than Men. Um, I'm sure there's another A24. I like this better than In Fabric. Um, I, I think it's better than all those. I like Hereditary better, but it's also because those performances, like in that movie, I think were so memorable. There were some scenes in that that I just will never, ever forget. Um, and that's for me why that's a better film for me. <laughs> I know we we could go all day about that, Sterling. I know, but that's just preference for me. Um, but otherwise, yeah, like as far as their horror films go, this is probably up there as one of the better ones. And I'm not saying that that means it's excellent, but it's better in a lot of it's one of those. I would definitely watch this one again before most of the other ones, if that makes sense, even though I still wouldn't really watch this one again probably but again like if somebody was like yeah i'm gonna put on midsummer i'm gonna be like you know what you let me know when that's over and i'll come back (laughs) i'm not gonna sit through that movie again you know what i mean like if somebody's like you know i'm gonna watch men i'm like i'm gonna peace out about 30 minutes before it ends (laughs) and then i'll be back this one i'll be like sure i'll sit through the whole thing again it's fine you know but um yeah it just it and and you're right, Sterling, like the performances aren't like stand out. But I just think for what they were trying to do with this movie, I think that they perfectly fit the types of characters they were supposed to be playing. Um, I, I think they just did a really good job with that. Like they were just so believable as those idiotic young adults <laughs> that just were very self-involved. And that is exactly what they were supposed to be. And they pulled it off. A lot of them, I was like, 
I can't stand you. You're too much of that. You're so good at playing this character that you're driving me nuts. You know, like, so that's why I think their performances actually were good in that respect. But it's not like, oh, this is an Oscar worthy performance from anybody. It's no Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out or anything. It's it's just standard, you know, probably better than a lot of B rated horror film performances. But it's it's what they needed the performances to be for this movie. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I had no issues with the performances so much as just some of the actual, I guess, character development and things that you learn about the characters. But it's fine. Yeah, it's decent. I would never say it's a great movie. I would probably not even say, oh, that's a good movie. I would just say, yeah, that's a decent movie. That's a fine movie. That's about it probably as as good as I could say. But in that regard, it is passable. It's a passable movie. It gets a passing grade. So I'm with Jason on this one. I'm going to give it just a straight up 70, um, 70 podcasting with your best friend or whatever she said out of 100. Fuck hereditary. I said it. I know you've, you've said it many a time. One movie you did forget is which the witch. Oh, that's super good. Oh, super. You know what? You're right. It's not better than the witch. Not Mm-mm. at all. Show ain't. Mm-mm. So this witch is kind of sitting in the middle then of the a 24 horror films. But I mean, if the witch and hereditary for me, if those are the only two that I see better than it, it's still fine. It's a fine, fine, you know, place to be sitting at. Oh, hereditary sucks so hard. At least it's didn't better than Didn't you like the Midsummer. first like hour or something? And then you just didn't like it? I just, I don't like the movie. The whole movie sucks. The ending oh, taints God. the whole movie. The ending just, for sure ruined that movie. I'll give you that. Come on, have a heart. Have a heart for Hereditary. Just have a heart, Sterling. Have a heart. I do have a heart. <laughs> so I don't like it. <laughs> Bring the common I just, sense. I, I just think that um, Alex Wolf and fuck Alex Wolf, Tony Collette were probably fuck Tony just, Collette. Oh my, they were too good in that movie to not have that be memorable. Too good in that movie means they wouldn't have been in it. Oh, whatever you said that it. you thought he was good in that movie too. You said you thought Alex Wolf was good in that movie. I said in the end it didn't fucking matter. Also true. Because the movie sucks. I'm just saying. <laughs> Anyways, Damn. moving on. Time has not softened me about that movie. It really hasn't. No. <laughs> Man. And it never will. I opened a wound. I'm very sorry about that. <laughs> you guys are like, ugh, I love Hereditary. But you're like, ugh, the visit's all right. What the fuck is wrong with you two? Anyway. Anyway, back to bodies, bodies, bodies. Yeah, it's all right. Watch it if you want. Don't watch it if you want. You just, if you do watch it, you'll realize what we're saying. You'll never watch it again. Because there's just no point in it. But it's fine. You know. I don't know. I'll give it 69 college hurricane fuck parties out of 100. Uh, spoilers? 
Yeah, I had to go for that. Yeah. It's it fits this movie, okay? Yeah. With all the christening yak talk, it fits. Yeah. All right, spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. You know, I'll give this movie credit. At a certain point, I realized this movie had one of two ways to go. It's either they're all accidentally killing each other because of essentially a misunderstanding or they were going to pull some killer out of their ass and they didn't go the dumb route of pulling a killer out of their ass because at a certain point in this movie you realize and it, for me it happened I mean decently early on but you realize that there's no one person that could just be killing these people that's of their group just the way the killings are happen, happening, you realize there can't be one of them doing it. You know, and you, I mean, you do witness a few of the deaths, you know what I mean? Like, you should have witnessed a few of them. So, you know, like, who killed who and whatnot. You like, you know what's happening for the most part. And, you know, I'm glad they didn't go that route of it's just some random, the the guy they kept thinking it was who walked, left the party the night before or, you know, because none of that really makes sense for what the movie was doing. And I think a, a lesser movie would have gone that route. But this movie didn't. There's essentially a misunderstanding that I don't necessarily like that they got to that reveal that way. I liked the reveal itself. I liked the reveal of he was filming a TikTok and accidentally cut his throat. I liked that. (laughs) What I didn't like is it made no damn sense for them to find that phone and go, oh, we need to unlock it right now in the middle of this fight. That made no sense. That was, I didn't understand that either. That's a weird fucking choice. So it was like a really weird decision to get to the end. You know? But like I said, I liked that twist because then you realize, no, they were just all murdering each other accidentally or sometimes intentionally because a dumbass cut his throat trying to open up a champagne bottle. Actually, I really enjoyed that twist. I thought that that was actually kind of cool. Because in all honesty, too, that's the only ending that truly fits the what they filmed. The story as they laid out, the facts that they gave us, that's the only one that makes sense. You know? So, I did enjoy, like, I, I appreciated that aspect of it all. You know? I liked seeing some of the, the craziness that came from them just obviously distrusting each other. It's supposed to be a close-knit friend group that all has secrets. They all have lies. They all have deceits. They all have all these things with each other to just show that, yeah, they weren't really friends. Like, to a degree, you're just like, man, fuck, they all hated each other. Holy shit. You know, but 
you know, so those were like some interesting dynamics that you get in this movie. It's just like some of the way they got around to some of it, like, fuck, it was annoying. You know, like I said, like the whole ending part of this movie, though, like the leads up right to the twist. None of that made sense to me. When she's like holding the gun on her and she's like, let me see your phone. And she's like, okay. And then just throws it. Like, why did that girl need to go get her phone at that point? There's only one thing that means. Yes. If you look at my text messages, you'll find out I fucked that other chick. That's the only thing that means. Why are you fighting to get to the phone at that point? Yeah. That literally only means what you, you don't do that because you don't have text messages proving you cheated. I mean, that's just not what you do. If you have, yeah. you know, don't have incriminating evidence on your phone. So why have that fight? And then, like I said, why in the middle of that fight do they go, that's not my phone. And then she just goes, Oh, let me go unlock Pete Davidson's phone real quick. Why? It wasn't because they needed yeah. service. She still had her cell phone on her. So like it, it wasn't even a service thing. Like, oh, maybe his phone will work in the scenario. Had nothing to do with that. So like none of that made sense. So why did we film that? And it was like, it's because they had a cool ending. They just didn't know how to fucking get to it. That's what it boiled down to. They didn't quite know how to get to reveal, oh, it's a TikTok. You know what I mean? Like, fuck. You know, and then so many of these th- these situations and stuff, like, honestly, why didn't they, like, I know that they killed Ronan the Accuser in that little gym, but why didn't they stay in that gym? It had emergency lighting in it. It had few entry and exit points. If you actually think if somebody's like trying to come kill you guys, you all have weapons. And it's got limited entry and exit points. That is the easiest place to defend. And like I said, it had emergency lighting in it. So like, fuck, you stay in that room. You know, Yeah, that's a good point. And like just some of the ways they handled some of the things like the twist for, I guess the main, I guess you would call her the main character B when she's like, Oh, I didn't actually graduate from school and I got fired from my job, but I did it because my mom has personality, borderline personality disorder. Okay. That was just a weird, weird, weird concept to throw at us. Like, of all the the secrets that these characters were having, that was one of the weirdest ones to throw in the middle of this movie. You know? Yeah, that had, like, yeah, that didn't seem to really have any direct effect with anything else. Other than, like, it gave them a reason to kick her out for a little bit just to come back and then go, oh, her mom has borderline personality disorder. Maybe she does too. Which once again is a weird thing to throw in a movie that tried to have positive images of 
dealing with mental health, but then throws that out there. So that was kind of weird. I think the one thing I appreciated the most during all this was like, they were like, well, how do you know, like, or how well do you know that guy when they're talking to what's her name, Alice about the Lee Pace character. And she was like, he's a Libra moon. That's all I needed to know. Cause I know several people <laughs> of that generation me. that feel that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, freaking Alice, man. And I never know what any of that shit means. All I know is anytime I've ever read a horoscope or a description of my astrological sign, I never really fit it. But then people I know that are like really into that shit that just happen to know my birthday anyway are just like, oh, no, you're so that. Like, you're the only fucking person ever that said that. And I kind of feel like you worked your way backwards to it. Like you knew my sign and then know me. So of course I fit it. Cause you know, no one's ever really, no one that really believes in that shit's ever going to say, Nope, it's all wrong for you. What I believe in is completely wrong to you. So, but no, I just know some people like that. So that was kind of funny. Nice little thing. I did think it's funny that like a couple of episodes after we did smash or pass and Heather distinctly asked me about Lee Pace I didn't even realize that there was that motherfucker in this movie until like the credits. I'm like, oh, fuck, that was Ronan the Accuser. Again. Like, I got thrown off by him again. So, apparently I just... He does look different every time. Apparently I just have no idea who Lee Pace is. Unless he's (laughs) covered in blue paint. (laughs) Right. He was pretty creepy in this movie, though. Like, he just had a creepy vibe about him. I don't know. Yeah, there's just something weird about a guy that's obviously in his 40s dating somebody that's obviously in their early 20s. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, it's weird. I say that like that guy's probably like two years younger than I am. I'm like, yeah, he's obviously in his 40s. But they just made it like they they really made him look older, you know, even like the scraggly like long hair and like the scraggly full grown beard situation. Like, well, watch the language here. (laughs) What? Sitting there saying things like scraggly full grown beard. You're going to say shit like that to me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm saying that that is what makes him look significantly older than the 20 year olds. I'm just saying, watch your language. (laughs) Throwing out words like that. I have no issues with them. I'm just saying they uh-huh. made him look older with that. Uh-huh. Anyway. I mean, there were some funny things with his character, too, with the, the whole stuff. When they were like, you said he was a vet. And he was, she was like, yeah, veterinarian. It was kind of a little, it's a little chuckle. There's like, hey. yeah, I laughed at that. <laughs> you know, it's just so much of that shit, though, like. You know, that whole spurned lover, Jordan, Sophie angle that they had going on for most of the movie was kind of dumb. It just felt really unnecessary. And I mean, I felt like that just with a lot of the relationships and a lot of the drama they had with it. 
Yeah, it was meant to, like, you know, they meant that that was supposed to be the whole thing of like, oh, this is why they don't trust each other and blah, blah, blah. It just kind of felt like they were just constantly just, you know, throwing out interpersonal drama as a way to fill the movie. Like in between death scenes was just nonstop drama revelations. And it's like, but it was like that constant cycle of like drama revelations, death, drama revelations, death, drama revelations, death, just constantly throughout the whole movie. There's like never a scene where that wasn't like the main motivating factor that kept the movie going forward. And that's kind of why it's very easy to disconnect from these characters. It's very easy to just not give a fuck when one of them dies. Because all it is is a bunch of dramatic bullshit. And I don't even mean like, you know, a dramatic movie. No, it's teenage drama type of bullshit. You know. It's just one thing after another. Ugh. But, you know. I appreciated the elements of the mystery. I appreciated... Like I said, the fact that this movie ended the way it should have ended. You know, because, like I said, you get to a certain point and you're like, well, they're just kind of offing themselves. There's no definitive killer here. They're just kind of offing each other one by one. It's not correlated. Yeah, and it's a different character every time that ends up doing the killing. You know? And like I said, a lesser movie would have been like, oh, this person's actually the killer. This person randomly out of nowhere is the killer and or this person you thought was dead wasn't dead and they're the killer and then it'd be like yes I orchestrated it the whole thing I knew if I brought this up that this person would murder that person and it's like this weird convoluted joker scheme from the dark knight where I knew if I pulled on this thread <laughs> everybody would murder each other and do my work for me and then like just sit there and close the door like it's jigsaw at the end of saw like that was their master plan the whole time A brief part of me thought for just a second (laughs) that that was going to happen. I was like, oh, no, Pete, David!" like when they went over to like do the phone on Pete Davidson, I was like, he's going to be not dead, isn't he? Just for a second. And I was like, no, no, they won't do that. (laughs) He just just stands up. Yeah. It's all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or I thought that maybe that could have been Sophie. I thought maybe this whole thing about the rehab and her friends sort of abandoning her and then her coming back. And then the way that everybody talked about, they didn't really know she was coming and everything like that. It seemed like they planted a lot of seeds to make you think that maybe she would be a mastermind at the end. And then, you know, the stuff with the text and she doesn't really care about this girlfriend, but then why bring the girlfriend? You know, it, it didn't all make sense to me, but I was thinking, is she going to wind up being the mastermind of this? Oh. She's killing everybody that abandoned her because of her drug problem and rehab and stuff. I thought maybe it could have been that, but I'm glad it wasn't like, you Oh, said. they so dude. No, like, cause they could have done the whole thing where she was the mastermind. She brought this girl that was poor to just ultimately be the the person they blamed all the killings on because she mm. actually knew her mom was crazy, you know? And so yeah. she's like, Oh, you You're thought right. I didn't know, but I knew the whole time. 
And then that, then they could have had that guy, Max, that shows up at the end. He shows up, too, because he was a part of it also. And him and Sophie are actually the ones together getting back at all of them for not really caring or noticing, like, their problems and all this other shit. And they just needed the poor girl to blame, and then they just kill her in quote-unquote self-defense to justify all the murderings. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yep. A lesser movie. And if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, Alice, I think is she the only one who didn't actually kill someone? Alice, the really, really annoying one. Oh wait, and actually, Pete Davidson's girlfriend didn't kill anybody. So I think they were the only two that didn't actually kill anybody. Yeah, they they were the two. Um, yeah, because. Pete Davison's cuts himself. Lee Pace. Oh, he didn't kill anybody though. Well, he killed himself. So Lee Pace. Oh, no, Lee Pace didn't, but he was the first one to die after Pete Davidson. So he was the first right, person, right. you know, he was killed yeah. by B and then Pete Davidson's girlfriend was killed by Sophie. Cause I don't know. She gave her whatever drug that made her fall down the stairs. And the next death was Alice. Which I guess theoretically she could have shot herself. It never, it never actually says who killed her. It's like a team effort on that one. Yeah, because they're all fighting for the big, gun. Yeah. Big skirmish. Jordan is yeah. killed. Ooh. Possible. Technically, Jordan's killed by B. Because she throws oh, her over the I, banister. I thought Sophie pushed her. No, okay. it was Jordan. Because they were fighting directly over the gun. And threw her over the banister. And then, yeah, that was the last death. Man, the one that was the most, like, innocent as far as morally is <laughs> the one who killed the most people. <laughs> she did. She was on this weird little murder streak. Right. She was going after that yeah. high score. True. Yeah, I mean, it was just in the end, I was just like, okay, that happened. Like I said, I didn't hate the end. Kind of hate how they got to it. I didn't hate it. Because like I said, the end, they did uh, the one thing I'll give this movie credit for. Is unlike a lot of whodunits. They really went for the ending that fit the movie. You know, because some movies try so hard. To surprise you with their ending. That the movie doesn't actually spell it out or determine it or anything. Like, it's just out of left field bullshit. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Edgar, right? With Last Night in Soho. Oh, we're going to do this whole movie about this woman sees ghosts. And it turns out she's not seen a ghost. Fuck you. What does it like? <laughs> anyway. And like I said, that was fine. But like, I think kind of like Justin said, like, I want to say more, but I don't, I don't really think there is more to say. Cause you're just kind of like, Oh yeah. Did you like that? Yeah. That was kind of cool. And you're like, yeah, you go to your cubicle. It's kind of face value. The movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that it, it definitely, I had a feeling that, somehow Pete Davidson had just accidentally killed himself 
<laughs> I just had a feeling that that was going to be like something they found out at some point. And I had a feeling that B was going to survive. I thought she was going to be the only one to survive, but I did think she was going to survive. Um, those are the two things for me that I felt like were a bit predictable in some ways. Um, how Pete Davidson died was definitely not something I expected, <laughs> but I, you know what I mean? But it, it, it was an interesting, I, I agree. I think that was kind of like a, a funny or amusing in a sense, like thing to find out, like after everybody's just torn each other apart, literally and figuratively, you know, and then it's just like, oh, nobody killed him. <laughs> okay, never mind. Sorry about all of that. You know, it was just like so ironic, but it was it was fitting. It was very fitting with what this movie was, um, where there's just all this under the surface things that everybody has against everybody else in this friend group. And it just all comes to the surface because nobody actually trusts anybody. And it just made sense that it was just all going to boil when they were under pressure, you know, in this really dire situation. There was just no it was inevitable that this was just going to end up being them pitted against each other at any given moment. Um, I do think it was an I didn't really think it was smart of them that after they found Pete Davidson dead and, you know, they had that period of time when they were just like, Oh, where's Greg, you know, and whatever. I was like, I actually feel like that's like, I, I get that they were going with, we don't trust him because we don't know him. But I think my first thing, especially if someone just died is like, I want everybody here together for security purposes where we're all protecting each other kind of thing. So I think my first thing would have been going to him and being like, Hey, we need your help out here. Especially if at that point they thought that he was a military vet. <laughs> like he's the first person I would have gone to, to be like, Hey, why don't you come help protect us? Because somebody just killed our friend and they were just so hesitant to do it. And then they also thought that they could all just take on this military vet, like on their own too. Like, I'm just like, what are you guys doing? I just think that that was a bad call. Like they should have, I don't know, especially the one that was his girlfriend supposedly should have been like, Hey, let me go get my boyfriend. Like he's going to be able to help us. Like, why was that not her first reaction? That's what, or her first reaction to be like, Hey, is he okay? Because even when what uh, I think Jordan asked her like, Hey, where's Greg? She's like, um, he's sleeping. No, don't, don't disturb him. He's sleeping. And I'm like, why is that your reaction after what just happened? I'd be like, wake up, come down here. I want to make sure you're okay. But I also would like for you to help us. <laughs> like it was just a very weird reaction for her to be like, he's sleeping. It's fine. Like that was just very weird. <laughs> it was a very weird response to that. Um, but I do kind of, I, I think something I do like that they did with this movie is they really kind of, as for as much as we don't really get full pieces of any character, we kind of just see little things revealed through their conversations with each other you really do kind of feel like you're dropped into this group, like as if you already know them or even maybe from B's perspective where she's like, you're just kind of seeing exactly what they're seeing. Like the only thing you know about these people is what's being said to each other in this movie. And I think that was kind of a cool thing to do because you're, you're really just kind of dropped in the center of this chaotic, dramatic friend group and what they're going through. And so I, I just think, based on what this movie was like 
the the truth of who everybody thought everybody else was is through the eyes of each other in this movie. And I think that it was kind of cool that we're just sort of dropped into that. We're sort of dropped into them having these conversations with each other. And that's really, you're just going off of what everyone's saying to each other. And that's all you have to go off of. And I think that was kind of a cool way to do it because then you're also guessing at like, okay, so who did this? Who would be the one to do this? You know, who's out to get who, even if you think it's multiple people, you're like, okay, so who would kill who here? Because everybody seems to hate each other for different reasons. So it was kind of an interesting and cool thing that they did with that because that kind of helps keep the mystery going a little bit that you don't know anything about these characters outside of the conversations they have with each other in this house. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of a cool thing. Justin? Uh, yeah, what everybody's saying, um, I haven't heard anything that I really have an objection to. Uh, I just think that ultimately it just comes down to the fact that because by nature of what this movie is, and we talked about it, like it's a, it's kind of a dark whodunit type of movie. And given that you really didn't have like the storytelling with the characters, like, cause it's just like you guys said, we're, we're hearing a bunch of things said by these characters and about their friendships, their relationship and stuff like that. So with this being sort of a murder mystery and the franticness of that, it kind of works in a bubble, but I guess the double-edged sword of it is, is that you can't go back. You can't show these scenes, these unique individual scenes. You can't show us things from their story and their past to really get us in to invest beyond just the bubble that is the story of who is the killer. I think that's sort of where, where I felt what I felt about it. Like some of the characters were interesting. They were saying sometimes the lines I laughed or, you know, like um, some of the things that Sophie would, would would say to some of the other characters or how characters were reacting to each other. I thought that the acting for the most part, all of that, I was fine with that. I think you're right, Heather, for the age group and for the characters we were dealing with, these characters were, were, were high on drugs. Everybody was drinking. So people would tell the truth was coming out and how people really felt about each other and everything. But I guess the ironic thing is, is as bad as some of these friendships seem to be, nobody was that bad. You know, ultimately, nobody was a killer. Nobody was really that bad, you know. And I guess that's sort of the ironic thing about it is that really, maybe if we had just been better friends, listened to each other more, had had approached each other with more understanding, maybe this wouldn't have happened. But it sort of works in this bubble, in this ironic sort of way. When you get to the end and you see the TikTok and you realize he killed himself, you're like, wow, man. So really nobody was that bad, as bad as what everybody made them out to be. And and I guess that's why 
most of the movie worked. So like, like I'm with Sterling on that. Didn't completely like the way they found out, but I was amused. I even, I laughed, but it was a good laugh. It wasn't a laugh like, man, that was so stupid. It was a good laugh like, ah, okay. Okay, movie. Okay, bodies, bodies, bodies. Cool. Um, <laughs> Now that I think about it, maybe she should have. Maybe B should have gotten Sophie's phone. And what if she just saw all of these? Because the, maybe when the signal came back, instead of ending it there with the I have signal line, um, what if the signal, what if she got her phone the signal started coming back and maybe all of these messages of people who saw that TikTok, like, and what if she discovered the TikTok through Sophie's phone, maybe while looking through the text, the signal comes back and she realizes. So you think she's looking and seeing the text and then she sort of reacts and you're like, what's going on? And then, you know, maybe Sophie's all looking apologetic, like, okay, look, you know, about to explain that would have that, been yes, a better way to do it. Yes, it did happen. And then B just hands her the phone and she sees it herself. Yeah, that would have like, been a better oh, way to do shit. that. Maybe that's how you could have. Well, but that. also part of me is also thinking because when she got kicked out of the house, when B got kicked out and she went to sit in the car for a while and she found that underwear in the car, right? Like, I I would have probably even brought that up before I asked to see her phone. I would have been like, hey, yeah. I saw this underwear in your car. Tell me right now the truth. And if she's still saying no, then I'd have been like, okay, cool. Show me your phone then, you know, or whatever. Like I would have gone the route of saying, but I'm seeing for myself that it looks like you've done this. And this is why I would have, I would have done that because then what if that's what it would have gotten her to tell the truth? You know, she's like, but I caught you red handed in a sense because of the underwear in your car. And then she wouldn't have even needed the phone. <laughs> you know, like that could have been the catalyst that sort of started the conversation even, you know, or something like that. I just feel like she there could have been a different way to like do that storyline with it. But um, but I get that they were just trying to get to a specific point at the end of the movie. I also think that the whole mislead of max i think was the guy who like apparently left and came back the next morning for them i think that was unnecessary altogether like i i just think that mm. the story probably would have been almost exactly the same if he wasn't even a factor in the whole thing you know because even at yeah. the end it's not like he needed to be there to rescue them because by the time he came b had cell service again so it's not like they actually needed him to be there for any part of this except for just to add to the drama of he was in love with Pete's girlfriend. Like that was the only real thing that added to it, which wasn't even needed because they had a tense and weird relationship without that. <laughs> so it wasn't even needed necessarily for this movie. So I thought it was a weird thing to have in it, but I think it's just because they wanted people to think, Oh, it's going to be max. Max said he left, but he didn't. And it does probably what they were trying to do with that. But I just think it wasn't, he wasn't even really a needed character at all. Um, but I will say that there are like, I, I did enjoy the, the dialogue going on between them when um, right before Alice gets shot, when they're all like fighting over the gun, 
I enjoyed that whole conversation they were having about, you know, like Alice saying, you know, Jordan, you're not poor. You're, you know, your, your family is upper middle class. Like, you know what I mean? And just like the things that you Mm -hmm. see to them makes them just embarrassed about whatever, because it's not the richest of rich, like Pete Davidson's character was or whatever, you know? Um, And even, but I mean, some of the things they were saying were kind of valid though. Like even with, you know, Jordan being like, why did you just abandon us? Why did you just leave us? And she's like, because you're, you trigger me, you guys trigger me. And it makes me not a good person to be around you. And even saying like, you know, you guys are no better because, you know, you see me in recovery and you guys are all around me still trying to like, you're still doing all these drugs and all these things around me, knowing that I'm in recovery. Like, how does that make you a better friend than me? Like, (laughs) I think they made some really valid points in these arguments they were saying. So I just really kind of enjoyed that because for the, some of the really shallow and unnecessary things that they cared about and were arguing about and hated each other over some of it made sense as to why, you know? And so I just kind of really enjoyed that conversation between them because it was kind of getting down to some actual reasons why they kind of hated each other that were, like made sense more than the other like non-important things you know and sometimes in those conversations you got some funny lines and stuff like that like whenever um sophie was talking it was like oh so the the black girl does the drugs and stuff like that has a drug problem and everybody's got a problem with it but you know the but the white you know but every but the white people can do it and it's okay and then yep. when Alice was like, I'm an ally and yeah. <laughs> I do understand how this could be problematic. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I'll, yeah. she was funny sometimes. With she, her. she was so annoying, but she was the most dead on young adults, how they would act in these situations that yeah. I can think of. Like just using the terms and. Trying to be understanding, but really not understanding anything. Libra Moon? That's all I needed to know. Yeah. (laughs) She was insane. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you known her? She was like, long. Like long. Like two weeks. And then there was just a pause. (laughs) Like, and she didn't even know really how long it is. She said three weeks or something. (laughs) And I just started laughing. I kind of. I was uh, that character made me laugh a couple of times with just she was so wishy washy, which is also so true of like young adult girls trying to fit in, you know, when she's like mad about something and she's like, oh, she did do that. You're right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. You did do that. Like just really trying to like go with the person she thinks is going to be the winner of the argument and be on their side with it. And she was. She was brilliant in how she played that character, but man, was she annoying. Yeah, she's that she's just that friend. And and that and every now and then that that friend is at a friendship circle, just that friend that that's kind of the oh, yeah. go along with everybody, like tries to understand everybody, tries to not have a position, but act as if she's on everybody's side. You know, th- there's just that's sort of what she reminded me of um but 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 off of her i agree with what you were saying as far as i do think 
than some of the conversations. Honestly, that's really the only thing. Like Sterling said, that was really the those were the only bridges we had between events and deaths because those conversations are is pretty much your glue that pieces all of these deaths as they happen together. You know, so you needed that drama to for people to blame people to for somebody to talk about potential suspects. You know, you didn't have a detective in this like in Knives Out who's explaining the suspects and all this kind of stuff. So the only way we could understand how this person is a suspect is these conversations, is them sort of revealing these things to each other. So the movie, like I said, I think that's what helps the movie. And that's ultimately why it works. You know, not all of, not everything said was great. Not all of the conversations are perfect or whatever, but they were good enough to get us through to the end. Um, It's just that the flip side of that is, is that, we're being told a lot of stuff and we're not seeing a lot of stuff. And you know how I am with the, you know, show me, don't tell me. But but by nature of what this is, it kind of had to go that way. Maybe if you saw too much, you wouldn't suspect Sophie or D or any of them. So that's why I feel like in a bubble it works because us not seeing any of that and just hearing these things makes us wonder who the killer is. So it kind of yeah, works exactly. for this, but because of that, it could it can't elevate to a certain point. You know, it can't elevate to that top tier like Knives Out did because Knives Out did it all. It showed you the suspects. It developed characters. It showed you what you needed to know about these characters. And it was a good whodunit murder. This could only do so much given the small premise that it had. But but a good concept, especially if you're trying to be cheap and you're trying to film something like this in one location and you're trying to fill that runtime, I think... Overall, it did what it needed to do. You know what I mean? As far as keeping your prices down and having somewhat of a cohesive story to the end. Yeah. I I do disagree with you, Heather, for a little bit, though, with, with the character of Max. I think that type of character is kind of essential to a movie like this, especially with the whole isolated nature of them being closed off in the house is you have to have throughout the movie that air of possibility that it's someone not in the house or not one of the characters, you know, a lot of movies also achieve this by having a character come into the movie halfway through like that. that it's that X factor character and mm. you, you need that air of things just because you want your characters in the movie, maybe not your audience, but you want your characters in the movie to also have that fear of something else that they don't know or the wild card nature of another character showing up halfway through the movie. Okay. That's fair. It's, it's, it's just that X factor character. Like what, what is this now changing? And by having a character that they know that you haven't seen yet, is possibly out there, but also possibly not. 
just kind of gives motivations to your characters. Kind of look at something like Knives Out. The Chris Evans character shows up halfway through the movie. Kind of throws a wrench into the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that type of character. They It just, it can work in two ways. You know, like I said, they can come in halfway through the movie or it's the mysterious unknown other person. You know, like I said, it just kind of helps with motivations of your characters. Like I said, it might not do as much for the audience, but you use it for your characters in the movie. You know, okay. because if yeah. your characters in the movie are like, it's definitely one of us. It can't possibly be anyone else. They've got no reason to work together at that point. You know, yeah, that's fair to say. It just that's more of an, a version of it specifically for this movie. If there's the yeah. idea that it could be someone else, they've got a reason to somewhat still work together. Otherwise, it's like, fuck everybody. Let's all go lock ourselves in a room and we'll just see what's up what in the morning. You know, that type of right. scenario. Like, you you know, you just, everybody gets away from everybody. And you've got no interaction unless you're like then following the killer throughout the movie. You know, so that that just gives them a reason to not, you know what I mean? To, to, to have that part of it. Uh, you know, like I said, the Knives Out, it's that character that comes in you know, you kind of feel like you're like feeling out the characters and all these other things. And all of a sudden there's a new character. And you're like, well, what's their motivations? But then you're also going through some of what the characters in the movie are. Because, you know, Chris Evans family was like, well, why is he here? What's his motivations? Kind of like what you were doing with it, you know, with the same character. So it's just that X factor carrier character that a lot of whodunit murder mysteries have in some way, shape or form. You know, like I said, it doesn't necessarily always be somebody off screen, but it's it's just that X factor character that just some way, some form still affects things, even if it's because they show up later to the movie or because they're not directly in it. And that's the purpose of the Max character. I'm just glad that it was ultimately a nothing thing. Because that's fair too, yeah. He wasn't anything in the movie. He was he was just it was the specter of him being there that affected them more than him actually being there, which is good because a lesser movie would have had him be a part of it. And I guess that also kind of sets up why they don't have a car to leave otherwise. So I guess that is true. Um yeah, that that does kind of fit a little bit better than but yeah, it just it felt like he was he just kind of showed up there at the end, but yeah, it's just kind of, I guess the looming idea of him. Yeah. And then on top of all that too, like ultimately, like I know Justin said, like ultimately none of them really were that bad. I don't know, man. B killed two people. Like <laughs> B murdered two people. And then on top of that, made bad decisions left and right. Like what, you know, didn't put up the mirror in the car. Like she was like the center point of, she got (laughs) so many people murdered through her decisions. Just saying. So I did love seeing, um, I'm forgetting her name, but she was the girl in Borat. Like I I thought she was, I I loved seeing her in a different type of role. 
She's a very good actress. I think she's really good. She just got cast in something else recently, too. There's actually a chance it might be the sequel to Knives Out. Maybe. Maria huh. Bakalova. What is she in? She did get cast in something recently. I don't remember what. But she did. Hmm. Okay. But do you, yeah. do you guys have any more thoughts? Oh, she's going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. That's it, because she's playing Cosmo, the space dog. Mm. Uh, but no, that's all I had for this one. Yeah, I'm good. Well, then, on that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinemaslayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Or Twitter and Facebook, where cinema underscore slayers. Or Facebook, where cinema slayers pod. Did I say that? I feel like I didn't. Anyway, uh, TikTok, where cinema slayers pod. Uh, YouTube, search cinema slayers podcast. You'll find us there. Um, if you happen to be in the Chicago land area around the date of, I don't know, September 2nd, you should go to uh, Logan Square Auditorium. And check out the Black Wrestlers Matter show of Shy Blackout, which our very own wrestler, yes, sir, Justin Taylor will be wrestling there. And, you know, what? we're sponsors of it, apparently. So, <laughs> you know, like I said, we're not doing anything. Go do that. We'll be there. Yeah, yeah. we will be there. We will be in the front row and Justin will Come be in the uh, ring. So you can probably hang out with us, but not with Jason because he'll be busy. But come see us. But you can only pay. You can only hang out with us if you pay for front row tickets. I'm not right. going to deal with go. any of you second it. row seaters or your general admission people. <laughs> oh, time for that! I'm a front rower. <laughs> yeah, I'm the elite of the elite at that point. So, uh, yeah, so definitely check that out. Uh, and it's also streaming online. So we'll definitely uh, put links up for that too. Because it will be streaming. So uh, especially closer to the event, we'll put some stuff out there. So you, you know, you can check it out streaming. If you're not in this area, you can still watch it and all these other things. Um, shout out to Plug Migo and Mudo Choa for our theme song and logos respectively. Uh, give us a five-star rating review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. If you're on the YouTube Click the like button, click the subscribe button, click the little bell notification, like all these YouTube videos say. Just do that for ours, too. Um, you know, and as I always say, uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your friends, friends. And most of all, tell those dear, dear sweet mothers, because dear sweet mothers love. Honestly, they love Pete Davidson, apparently. Because he's got big dick energy. And like he says in the movie, <laughs> he looks like he fucks. <laughs> so you mean that he christens the yak? He christens the yak. Bam! He knocks boots. <laughs> yeah, all those. <laughs> there you go. He tangos in a horizontal fashion. Ah, <laughs> ah. Most importantly, he fucks. 
And as I end the YouTube videos, the TikToks and this podcast, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. Um, also, the start of that bodies, bodies, bodies game where they were slapping the hell out of each other. I don't know, man. That's how you start fights. Right. <laughs> I've never seen a I game start never like play that. that game. <laughs> Cinema I would be sitting out so fast during that game. They were slapping each other kind of hard and then going, boom. Oh, okay. Whose turn is it? I was like, dang, okay. But, but even it's then, like, like, that, huh? I haven't seen anybody do that before taking the shot. Like the whole point is you take the shot and you hold it in your mouth and then you slap each other back and forth until somebody spits it out. Mm. And then they're the loser. Mm. Yeah, you're right. This one was just them doing it. They were just getting slapped and then (laughs) taking a shot. You know, I mean, I've seen the newest trend of it is like they, uh, you put the shot in your mouth or you, you might do it with water, but then you have to take a shot. If you lose, you slap each other with tortillas. Huh. I've seen that. I mean, and I've taken shots <laughs> in a lot of ways. I've never gone in a circle and just slapped people before we take shots. It's just, <laughs> that's a new one asking yeah. for trouble. Tortillas, huh? Yeah. That's, I've you know, I've always just thought of tortillas as tasty. Never looked at them and went, could they be painful? That's <laughs> interesting. That's probably because you didn't spend enough time with people that went to Texas Tech. <laughs> well, they used to go. throw tortillas onto the football field. I'm not saying that they, you know, were a weapon or anything, really? but I'm just saying there's more things you can do with tortillas than just be tasty. What was the what was that for? What was what for? Throwing their tortillas on the field. Man, nobody knows. Why are you trying to make sense of a Texas Tech tradition? It's just so random. They used to rip up fucking bleachers every time they scored touchdowns, which back in the day of the air raid offense sometimes meant a lot of bleachers. Yeah, so they would just tear up their own shit because they were, you know, doing okay at a football game. Yeah. That's what <laughs> So Texas cool, Tech does. Cool, cool, cool. I mean, and I mean okay. all that in probably the best way possible. I went to Tech for a little bit. So I get it. It's what you do. Duly noted. I guess my private college never did that. So I'm like, what? <laughs> Man, coming out here with the elitism. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, first, we didn't even have a football team. That's all I'm first, saying. First, you attack the full beard. I did not attack it. And then and then you 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 attack my somewhat alma mater because you went to an elitist private school? This is not what's For happening. shame. <laughs> oh no. No wonder you liked hereditary. Dang. You're, then you're the odd oh, one no. out, Sterling, because I also attended a private college. <laughs> Uh, Thanks, Jackson. You, you know what all I have to say is? Look at you two motherfuckers with college degrees. Guess what you're doing? You're sitting here on this fucking podcast with me nonetheless still. So, haha, I'm the one dragging the asses down. 
How about them apples? <laughs> yes, Dad, I thought you were going to say, look who the smart one actually is or something like yeah. that. <laughs> I'm just we saying. just smart to have teamed up with you. You found two intelligent, educated people to do this with you. Yeah. That both somehow don't like, don't like Kroll, like the visit, and like Hereditary. So somehow you, you want to act like you're better than me now? You, you have those fucking things on your resume? And you want to come at me with this shit? You recruited us, darling. You recruited us. You went out and you scouted and you, you recruited us. Don't like the troll. <laughs> you liked the visit and you liked hereditary. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to see a pattern with you college degree motherfucking having people. From your fancy little <laughs> private schools. You got wrong damn opinions. <laughs> You should have put that on the questionnaire, man. That should have been on the higher end uh, questionnaire. You know what I mean? Oh, it will be from now on. <laughs> Did you go to an <laughs> elite oh, no, next private week, school? They come in and it's just completely different people with him on the podcast. Yeah, just two different people. <laughs> we have new people, guys. Don't ask any questions. And he would totally be like, so I made the questionnaire. The questions have been answered. And now joining me on this podcast, yeah. <laughs> it'll be like just no mention of us ever. It'll again. be just like did you, it'll be like as always this person and this person. Just just skip right on by it. Yeah, like there's nothing that changed at all. It'll be like the first question: yeah. Did you go to an elitist private school for college and graduate? And if they say yes, then it's like follow up question: Do you like the movie Crawl? Follow up question: Do you like the movie The Visit? And follow up question: Do you like Hereditary? I actually think that the movie choices like offends you more than the private school thing. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. It just, it all makes sense now that I think about it. Elitist private school motherfucking people don't like classics like Kroll. (laughs) Like shit face garbage like M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit. And are all up in that pretentious A24 horror bullshit that is hereditary. <laughs> Get it. Saying the visit is not bad is not the same as saying it's good. <laughs> yeah, we just said it's not like bad. Just like, we, just said it's medium. We, just, we just said it was medium, big medium. We said it's not that bad. We said it's all right. <laughs> the fact that you put anything before the word bad that is not very incredibly utterly means you practically love the movie damn for shame can we all agree on midsummer though does that help <laughs> no just because you like you like you dislike an obviously bad movie okay you get credit for that so you agree that the ones we think are not bad are not obviously bad movies? No, they are, but in a different way. <laughs> okay. Like they're the bad type of movies that you may, if you really want to do mental gymnastics on a conspiracy theory level, could maybe act like they're good or bad in the case of Kroll. But like Midsummer, <laughs> there's just no way around it. I think there's no redeeming down- qualities. <laughs> I think if we were in bodies, 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 this would be what Sterling is bringing up with us. Like as far as a reason to shoot us. Yeah, we must be the killer. (laughs) 
Yeah. We must be You're shot. You're obviously the murderer because you hate Kroll. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'd be sitting there doing. Okay. What are your thoughts on Kroll? And if they said I hadn't seen it, I would go, I'm suspicious. But if they're like, I fucking hated it. I think it, you murdered I just shoot everyone. him because that's self-defense. Right, right. <laughs> and if they said they liked Hereditary, even more suspicious for you. It's all the same. Liking Hereditary. Apparently just thinking the visit isn't that bad. Yeah, Not liking Kroll. All the so same. You heard him. You're, you're being shot. So you like Hereditary? Shot. You thought the, vis- the visit was decent? Shot. <laughs> you did not like Kroll? Probably Done. two or three shots. That's probably an overkill. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yes. In a, in a hurricane murder party, yes. That, that's the outcome. I'll stand behind it. Because <laughs> I'm a man of conviction. A man of the people. That didn't go to elitist private schools like you. (laughs) I'm of the people. You guys are the Rotten Tomatoes. I am the audience score. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm fucking done with this. I'm out.